again. Welcome back to Alger Assembly of God, and welcome back to our study, our series entitled Relationship Goals. We're in the month of February. Uh, Valentine's Day is past, but we're exploring some relationships. First of all, we looked at the most important relationship, uh, more important even than a husband and a wife, than a, a father and a mother, uh, than parents and kids. We are looking at that relationship with God. And so week one, the goal was connect to God. Make sure that you have a relationship with God. Last week, we, we came to the realization that there's a whole lot of other people besides us and God in the world. And so we examined, how do we live in harmony? How do we get along with all kinds of people? And if you remember, we admitted, you admitted as well, I know some difficult people. I know some interesting people. I know some challenging people. So last week, we looked at how to live in harmony. Today, our relationship goal for the day is this, be a friend. Be a friend. You know, going back into the 90s, one of the hit shows, in fact, it is still extremely popular in reruns and on streaming, is the show simply titled Friends. Friends. It was, it was about six friends growing in, in New York City and all of the friendships and relationships. And whether you were exactly like one of those people or you knew somebody like one of those people, that it resonated because people had friendships or desired friendships, and this whole concept of having and interacting with your friends was big. Big hit show. And then into the early 2000s, even into today, although I would submit it's probably not as popular as a handful of years ago, is the social media called Facebook. Facebook, where you can friend someone, you, you friend request. So many of you perhaps on social media and, and have a social media account with Facebook, and so you request a friend. You can go find somebody, a family member, classmate, uh, you know, somebody that you've met in the community, and you, you friend request them to see if they want to be your friend. So how many of you, you've ever received a friend request on social media from someone you had no idea who they were? That's pretty much everybody on social media. Because what happens is sometimes people go and they find someone who is their friend. And they go through their friend list and they friend request everybody that's a friend of their friend. So that's happened. And I know over the years, uh, sometimes my attitude is different. Sometimes I'm like, man, I don't know you and delete, delete, delete. And then other times I'm maybe in a little bit more, you know, interesting relational mode. I'm like, okay, let me click on you. Oh, you're friends with 200 of my friends. I don't know you, but you know a whole bunch of my friends. So sometimes I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll click yes. But it's this concept of friends and friendships. You know, on Facebook, you might have hundreds of Facebook friends. Many people would have thousands of Facebook friends. And in reality, how many of those people do you see and personally interact with on a regular basis? Not a whole lot of them. 
So this, this concept of friends, whether it's the show, whether it's Facebook, uh, if, if we go way back in the day, if, if you've been around the church, if you've been a, uh, around youth ministry for a number of years or decades, uh, there was a, a song made popular many years ago. It was from, I think, the 80s was still popular when I was in Bible college in the 90s. It typically is played for graduation. It's the Michael W. Smith song, Friends are Friends Forever. If the Lord's... But we'll have Amanda sing that at the end. No. The concept of friends. You've got friends. You have friends. You want friends. The truth is... You ready for the truth? As, as many millions of people watch the show, friends, as many people have hundreds and thousands of friends on Facebook, the average person can name their close friends on one hand and have some fingers left over. That is the average person. In fact, a study way back in 1985 showed that people on average had only three close friends. Now you say, well, that's 1985. I mean, since the 80s, we've had the show Friends in the 90s, and we've had Facebook here in the 2000s, so certainly people have a whole lot more friends. Well, the similar study was done fairly recently, and that number has only decreased. In fact, the number is less than two on average. So some have more, but on average, people have about two or less close friends. In fact, 25% of the people surveyed or interviewed stated that they have zero close friends or connection at all. 25%. One out of every four people would say, there's not one person that I consider to be a good, close, personal friend. So let me just encourage you. Are you ready? Hopefully I can encourage you. Because if you look around and you say, I have got three or more people that I consider to be close friends, three or more, you've got a 96% chance that you're among the happiest people. That's just with three or more close friends. So that issue is friendship and having friends. How do you make friends? Well, Proverbs 18.24 gives an idea. It says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. That's the relationship goal is to be a friend. If we want friends and friendships, we must be a friend. Now, Sometimes people say, well, you just, know, you just don't know the people at school. You don't know the people in my workplace. You don't know the, I mean, there's just nobody friendly. Could be true. But sometimes, in some of the cases, it's us not being friendly towards others. In fact, Dale Carnegie, in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, said, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years trying to get other people interested in you. In other words, take some of the initiative and be a friend. Again, Proverbs says if, if you have friends or desire friends, you must yourself be friendly. And then I like this quote. This is from the, the great philosopher. You've, you've probably heard of them, Winnie the Pooh. 
Winnie the Pooh said this, you can't stay in your corner of the forest waiting for others to come to you. You have to go to them sometimes. Okay, even some truth there from Winnie the Pooh. So the relationship goal we've looked at, number one, is we want to connect to God. Most importantly, have a, a relationship with him. Last week was live in harmony, connect and, and interact well with those around you. And today it is to be a friend. What kind of a friend ought we to be? Now, there's a whole lot more we can cover, but I want to challenge you with a handful of characteristics. What kinds of friends ought we to be? Number one, be a friend who selects wisely. Select your friends wisely. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The righteous individuals, they choose and they select their friends carefully. Being careful, be cautious, don't be led astray by the selection of your close friends. Now, listen. There's a, a big difference between those that we might consider close, interacting with us kinds of friends, and just simply acquaintances that we are with. Hopefully, you and I are not shunning everybody but that one or two or three people you might consider to be your close friend. So we're going to interact with a lot of people, but who are you choosing? Who are you selecting to be closest to you in your friendships? Understand, not everybody's going to be the best fit or a good fit for you in, in a friendship, particularly when it comes to spiritual. Sometimes we can select a whole lot more time choosing everything else other than close friends. We'll agonize over the outfit for the day. We'll agonize over what toothbrush or toothpaste to purchase, but jump headlong into a friendship or connection without really stopping to think about the individual. I know, sometimes we, we might say we kind of fall into friendships at times. How many of you, if you remember back into your school years, whether it's elementary or middle school or high school or college, you know, you end up kind of becoming friends with those that you're around. So you get to become friends with those alphabetically close to you. The last name of Andreason, you know, always towards the, the top of the class as far as the, the role. Not too many were before A and D. And so, you know, I was many times sat next to or around other people who had A's and B's in the beginning of their last name. So there was kind of a, a natural connection to know some of those people. Same thing, that's how our lockers were. Our lockers were all alphabetical. And so I was sandwiched in between people who had A last names. And so those are the people, like it or not, I'm right next to. Didn't make them my closest of friends, but man, I was connected to them somehow. Or maybe it's uh, you know people that are in your neighborhood growing up. For a number of years in Springfield, Illinois, kindergarten, first and second, went to a Christian school, lived in, in one particular place on Independence Lane. There were a handful of boys in that neighborhood. Well, I'm a boy, they're boys, and we'd play boy kind of things and ride bikes. Now, they might not have been the greatest or most impactful friends around, but they were the ones who were around. 
So sometimes I get it. Based on location, those who are on your street, those that you're working with or underneath or you're overseeing, those who are in class with you, but who are you choosing? Who are you and I selecting to be closest friends to us? The Word of God says that we are to choose our friends carefully. Because here's the deal. You and I become most like the people we spend the most amount of time with. You're going to become most like the people you spend the most amount of time with. Your words... Actions and attitudes are going to rub off on others, and theirs are going to rub off on you. You ever seen maybe uh, if you're a parent or a grandparent, and you can, you can understand when your child or grandchild has been hanging around with so-and-so based on the things that come out of their mouth. Or based on the, the lip or the attitude that they might give. You're like, oh, they must have been at so-and-so's house today. Because they came back all fired up, right? The people that you and I hang around with, actions, attitudes, words, I mean, it rubs off on us. Now, I, I, I think back humorously to, you know, Kim and I, I was born and raised in Illinois, was born in Joliet, Moved to Quincy, number of years in Springfield, Illinois, then to upstate New York, then to Connecticut, Bible College in Missouri, and then came to Ohio. So I've been all around. Kimmy, born and raised right here in Hardin County. And we got connected, and we dated, and we married, and after a handful of years, uh, we had a baby, and a few more years later, had another one, so we had our two girls. And there were just some things in Kim's upbringing that was not in mine. And there were some words and phrases that came in King, uh, Kim's upbringing that uh, were not in mine. I'll never forget. It was, you know, our very first child was Autumn. You know, and either, it was either in the hospital or right, right after we got home. And we've got this brand new little baby girl. And Kim said something about, she was asking me to change her butt. And I, kind of, I remember I kind of looked at her with this, this quizzical look on my face. I'm thinking, well, she's only got one. And we've got, we got this whole box of diapers we might need to change. And she's like, you know, change your butt. And that's what she meant. When you change your butt, you're changing the diaper that goes on her butt. <laughs> I don't know that I've used that word that much in a message before, but I'll probably use it a couple more times. And so it's Kim and I in the house with little baby Autumn and our dog who didn't talk. And so every time it came, Kim would say it or ask it or mention it. And so guess how I started referring to change, the act of changing a diaper? I said, I'll go change your butt. It became part of my vocabulary because I'm hanging out with married to in the house with Kim, and that's how she referred to it. To this day, she'll talk about changing a butt. She means a diaper. Now, you've probably had some things. You've learned a phrase, you've, maybe some words you shouldn't have learned from a friend. But when you and I spend time with others... 
our thoughts and our actions and our attitudes and our speech, uh, we become like the people that we hang out with, which makes it that much more important to choose our friends wisely. Choose the ones who are going to invest in us and help us to grow. In fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, puts it like this. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. So if you're wanting good qualities and good character in your life as you grow and with children and or grandchildren and others around you, then surround yourself with those with good qualities and good character. Because unfortunately, it's so much easier to kind of be dragged down than it is to bring somebody up. It's so much easier to slip down to somebody else's level in their attitudes and actions and speech than it is to try to encourage somebody and bring them up into wholesome and positive actions, attitudes, and speech. One of the quotes that I'll never forget from early in youth ministry, I've used it throughout youth ministry, I've used it throughout pastoral ministry, I don't remember the very first person that said it. I've heard multiple people share it, and so I continue to share it. It's this quote. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Because again, you and I are going to become like the people we spend most of our time with. Now, that doesn't mean we can't talk to, that we can't hang out with other people. But who are you closest to? Are you selecting wisely? So that, that challenge for us, the, the relationship goal is to be a friend, but be a friend who selects your friends and your friendships wisely. Secondly, be a friend who communicates honestly who communicates honestly. Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Some of you are thinking, man, I know some people I'd like to wound. You want to go out and you know, give, your, uh, give some individuals some friendly wounds and just kind of zing them. Uh, the goal here, though, is to be honest, not for revenge or to hurt, but to benefit and to bless. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. It's to build up. It's to encourage. The enemy would multiply kisses. Ephesians gives us multiple verses encouraging us to build up and not destroy in, in our life, in our actions, in our attitude, in our speech. How can we be negative towards someone and build them up at the same time? So the encouragement is to communicate honestly. Now, fair notice, caution here is not to go around dropping atomic truth bombs of honesty. You know someone like that? I mean, they just go out and, and they drop a bomb. It explodes in the room, and then they follow it up with, I'm just being honest. Just being honest. In other words, what they're saying is, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think, no matter who it hurts. 
So the goal is to be honest, but God's word also in Ephesians talks about speaking the truth in love. There's a way for you and I to communicate honestly and yet do so gently with the goal of building up and encouraging one another. Not to just jump into a room, drop a truth bomb and say, hey, I'm just being honest and walk away, leaving destruction in our midst. We can go to God, ask him to give some wisdom, maybe guide our words, guide our speech, maybe guide the attitude as to how we present that truth. Great friends can be honest, can give some loving and gentle correction and wise counsel. You see, a true friend will tell you the truth even when it hurts. As author Oscar Wilde wrote, a true friend stabs you in the front. <laughs> They'll be straightforward with you. They'll be honest, but they can do so in a kind, loving, and gentle way. And so there's that balance, right, between being honest with someone and then always just being the yes person. You ask a question, what do you think about this and what do you think about this? And then the fear is, well, I, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt the feeling. So everything is yes. Everything is awesome. Nothing is ever needing help. Most people, they like affirmation, but probably don't desire a yes person to always say yes, 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 yes about everything. John Maxwell, pastor and author, his quote is this. I don't need a friend who changes when I change and who nods when I nod. My shadow does that much better. In other words, I don't just need someone who says yes to everything I say yes to and no to everything I say no to, and they just wait to see what I think or what I say, and then they'll respond the same. He's saying, i got a shadow who does that, and it, it never misses. You and I can be honest. We can communicate honestly to one another, but we can do so in love. Now, have you ever had a friend or family member maybe confront or share some truth? Sometimes it hurts, right? Sometimes it feels almost like a slap in the face. We're not sure what to do because many times, so many times, we hear yes or, or we hear all the affirmation, everything exactly as we want or believe, and sometimes somebody comes up and says, you know what, I just wanted to share this with you. And, and sometimes it hurts. But if you stop to think, if it's a true friend who presents the truth in love with the goal to help and to bless and to benefit, chances are if you were able to stop, take a couple deep breaths, we often understand, okay, there's, there's some truth there. I've got to understand what they're trying to say. They want to help build me and grow me. They want the best for me. They're, they're willing to share something truthful and honest with me. People who tell you what you want to hear, do they really care about you? Because we, we, we often, we like for people to agree with us. But if they only say what we want to hear, are they really concerned about us? 
Or are they going to maybe sometimes share some information or share a viewpoint that we might not always like? A true friend is going to communicate honestly. So relationship goal, be a friend who selects your friends wisely. Be a friend who communicates honestly. Thirdly, be a friend who continues faithfully. Continue faithfully. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves what? At all times. That's a, that's a tough one. Okay, I got, a, I got a quick, simple test for you. If you're not quite sure who's a genuine, who's a real friend, I've got a test for you. Are you ready? Step one. Get yourself in trouble. Step two, look around. See who sticks with you. You ever found yourself, uh, hopefully you haven't intentionally jumped into some kind of trouble, but you ever gotten yourself in a, maybe a little heap of a mess, some, some things intentionally or accidentally, and you look around and some of the people you thought might stick with you kind of dropped you? They're nowhere to be found. Sometimes we're able to know who is true, who is real, who is genuine. The people who are sticking with you and standing right beside you are your real friends. Unfortunately, sometimes our friendships are like two adventurous teenage boys. They were good friends, and they were out spelunking, which is exploring caves, and they found what appeared to be huge bear tracks deep inside a long cavernous tunnel. So they bravely decided to keep going, but they moved ahead slowly and with extreme caution, keeping their eyes and ears open in the extreme case that they might encounter a bear. Suddenly out of the darkness emerged the biggest, meanest looking grizzly bear they'd ever seen. Standing squarely in front of them, the, the bear beat on his chest, roaring like a lion, sending a terrible sound echoing off the walls of the cave. Scared to death, the two boys decided they had better run for their lives. How many of you think that's probably a pretty good plan? They immediately turned to make a dash for daylight. But just then, one of the boys dropped to the floor and started untying his hiking boots. He whipped those boots off, reached into his backpack, and put on his running shoes and began tying up his laces. The friends stopped and looked at him in exasperation and yelled, Come on, man, let's get out of here. Why in the world are you changing shoes? I mean, we don't have much of a chance of outrunning that bear anyway. Finishing tying his shoes, he lunged to his feet, started to run, and the first boy replied, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. Unfortunately, that can describe some of our friendships, that when tough times come, uh, they'll just run away and say, hey, uh, you know, as long as I don't get eaten by the bear, I mean, this friend wasn't facing the difficulties together. He was not a faithful to the end kind of friend. The scripture says a friend loves at all times, not most times. Not when it's convenient or not just if it's beneficial to us. A friend loves at all times. 
No doubt you have experienced, you might have been on uh, the giving end or receiving end of certain kind of love and attention. But maybe somebody has, you know, kind of tried to get in your good graces as a friend based on who you are or what you have, or maybe because you're really good in school or a particular class, all of a sudden, someone who never gave you the time of day is talking to you to try to be a friend. Why? They want something from you. Or you, you get that car, or you get that new uh, video game system, whatever it is, all of a sudden, somebody's wanting to be your friend because of something you have. Or maybe something you could do for them. Maybe you've experienced some of that. And if we're honest, maybe at sometimes we have done that towards others. The encouragement is to be a faithful friend at all times. Not just when it's convenient. Not just if it you know, might benefit us. I'll be a friend to this person because of here's what he can do for me. That, that's not the kind of friendship that the word of God's talking about. Will tough times come? Yeah. Will difficult times and relationships come? Certainly. The relationship goal is to be a friend who continues faithfully. A faithful friend to the end. Sometimes we don't always know what to do or say as a friend. Sometimes it's good enough simply to be there. You ever had a friend, you went through a tough time, and they were just kind of hanging out with you. Maybe they didn't say a whole lot. Kind of like this little boy. A young boy was sent to the corner store by his mother to buy a loaf of bread. He was gone a whole lot longer than it should have taken him. When he finally returned, his mother asked, Where have you been? I've been worried sick about you. He answered, Well, there was a little boy by the side of the road with a broken bicycle who was crying. So I stopped to help him. The mother paused and looked at her little son and said, I didn't know you knew anything about fixing bicycles. The little boy answered, I don't. I just stayed there and cried with him. That little boy gets it. I just stayed there and cried. Sometimes that, that, that friendship and con continuing faithfully is just simply to be there with someone. Newspaper in, uh, in England gave a reward for the best definition of a friend. So in your mind, I want you to think, if you were to define who or what a friend is, I want you to take a moment, just think it in your head. You've heard definitions. The newspaper gave a reward for the best definition, and the winning entry of this newspaper was this. A friend is one who comes when everyone else goes. That's good. No, no doubt you've come up with some good examples as well. A friend is one who comes when everyone else goes. In other words, be a to-the-end, continuing, faithful kind of friend. So be a friend who selects your friends wisely. Be a friend who communicates honestly. Be a friend who continues faithfully. And finally, be a friend who grows and encourages others to grow spiritually. 
Familiar verse in Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Some versions say, so one person sharpens another. Others will translate it as, so one friend sharpens another. The principle is, as these individuals are in contact, one person is sharpening and encouraging the other person. Well, how do you sharpen something? It's kind of comparing friendship here, these relationships, to iron, if you would, being sharpened over time. Maybe think about a, a blacksmith with iron or a hammer and kind of, you know, pounding and, and beating a, a sword or, or, or beating some kind of metal wood, I'm not going to say metal woodworking, metal work. You don't, you don't make that sword or that piece of metal into whatever it is without coming into contact with the hammer or the anvil. It, it comes into contact over time, little by little, it begins to take shape and take, take shape and take shape. That's kind of the encouragement about coming into connection with that friend. One person to the other, that person to the one. We're going to grow one another, challenge one another to grow spiritually. Good friends, close friends, godly friends are going to challenge you to know God and grow God more than you ever have before. Maybe you've been around someone. Maybe it's been a friend. Maybe it's been a family member. But their heart for God, their love for God, the, uh, the way that they dig into God's word or pray or uh, worship or obey, I mean, it's, it's kind of contagious. You're like, I want to know God like they know God. And friend to friend, that relationship can be to stimulate and to encourage the other person to grow in God. 1 Samuel chapter 23 tells the story of a pretty powerful friendship and connection. David and Jonathan in the Old Testament. One of the most committed friendships, perhaps. Remember in, in this particular uh, scripture that David had killed Goliath, the giant that was terrorizing the country. And because of that, David was pretty popular. I mean, people were singing songs about what he had done, certainly with God's help. And so King, King Saul was not very happy with David. He didn't like all the attention that David was getting. He, he was jealous because of the popularity. He'd grown to hate David. And he was out to take him out. But David was good friends with Jonathan, King Saul's son. David was fleeing. Uh, the king was, he was trying to kill him. In fact, hurled some javelins at him. But the king, he was tracking and pursuing David. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 16, it reads like this. Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. You and I need a friend who's going to help us find our strength in God. We need to be the kind of friend to help other people find their strength in God. Not only did Jonathan continue faithfully, he helped David and challenged him to grow spiritually. He was, he was faithful in this 
extremely dark time of his life. He helped him find strength in God. What kind of friendships, what kind of connections do you have in your life? As a family member, as a friend, a co-worker, a classmate, are there people in your life that challenge you to know and grow in God? I hope so. But I hope as well that we are the kind of person, we can be that friend who is growing spiritually, but that who helps others to grow spiritually. The people that you hang around with, are they people who are going to encourage you to draw closer to God or to go far away from Him? It's going to be one or the other. So be a friend who will select your friends wisely, who will communicate honestly, continue faithfully, and grow spiritually. Spiritually. 